Welcome to the Obscure Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Mugudi. Today, we talk about stories of consequences from seemingly unrelated events, and we call it What Happened Next. What happened here? What happened? What the hell's happened here? What happened? What happened? Our show begins with a guy by the name Eli Whitney. Eli Whitney was only 28 years old when he invented the cotton gin in 1793. He was the inventor's son of a farmer born and raised in Massachusetts. And he was a natural genius, more of a mechanic for that matter. He graduated from Yale College, now Yale University, and moved to the South, hoping to become a tutor and earn some money. However, when he got there, his plans were changed by a woman. What else? By a woman by the name of Catherine Green, who invited him to stay with her. Green was a widow and in need of company. Green was a widow of an American Revolutionary War hero. And she had a plantation known as the Mulberry Grove where she planted cotton somewhere near Savannah, Georgia. While there, Whitney learned about the cotton production industry and had a first-hand preview of the problems faced by cotton farmers. For thousands of years, the only way to separate cotton seeds from cotton fibers had been to pull out the seeds by hand, a slow, costly, tedious task. And like every other entrepreneur, he had a brilliant idea. Cotton was the livelihood of these farmers, but it was currently not earning them that much money because of the amount of time it took to get cotton from the seeds. On average, a picker would remove the seeds from only one pound, about half a kilo of short staple cotton per day, which is not that much. Half a kilo per day is not that much. This was slow and very, very time-consuming. So Whitney became an inventive genius and he invented the cotton gin. The machine could effectively and efficiently remove the seeds from the cotton plant. In 1794, Whitney patented his invention. However, farmers everywhere pirated it and he never made much money from it. Instead, Whitney did something else, something far more widespread and with dire consequences than he would have thought of. With the cotton gin, cotton farming was much, much more easier and faster. Production was quick and demand for the product was high. Production grew and demand grew at the same time. The farmers needed to keep up with the pressure of demand because now cotton was the South's Number one export. What did they do? They increased their number of slaves working on their farms. In fact, it is said that the invention of the cotton gin led to the number of slaves growing three times more than they were before. Il est le 
Nebuchadnezzar was a majestic king with a majestic castle who lived in the 6th century BC. He is believed to have built the hanging gardens of Babylon for his wife, Queen Amides. These were once part of the seven wonders of the world, so this guy was a big deal. Being a very majestic king, of course, he built a very majestic palace. The palace can still be seen today. Make sure to drop by next time you're backpacking through Iraq. His palace was so grand that it was considered the most magnificent building ever erected on earth. I tell you guy, this guy had an architectural fetish, which is way better than a food fetish. Just saying. Soon after the completion of his castle, Nebuchadnezzar went mad. Stark raving mad. He started sleeping outdoors in fields and eating grass like an ox. Ever wondered why? This story is in the Bible, but did you ever ask yourself why? In the bid to be a majestic king with a majestic palace, Nebuchadnezzar had used antimony, lead mix, to paint his palace walls yellow. Because yellow... Yellow is supposed to be mellow, but I disagree. Perhaps yellow felt too bright when it first arrived. The other colors didn't know what to make of her. Red was fiery. Orange was offbeat. Pink, well, you know, pink. Yellow had to pale in comparison. That was the spectrally acceptable thing to do. It's a different time now. Yellow no longer needs to be mellow. When we arrive, you will notice. When we show up, you have been warned. Don't fuck with yellow. And now you know. The scientific explanation is that antimony is very, very, very toxic. Antimony has the property of hoarding electron-greedy elements around itself and building super acids. It's probably the antimony that went to his head and he went cuckoo. An aside. At this part, I would like to point out how much I am attracted to antimony. No, no, not because it made poor Neza go mad. I am naturally mad, so... Anyway, Isaac Newton, like myself, was also attracted to antimony. Big up, Isaac. Big up yourself. Pull up the blood clot, you! He called it a hermaphrodite for its half-insulator properties, even terming it as sexy. Oh, yeah. At around the same time Nebuchadnezzar went mad, women in Egypt were using antimony as mascara to give themselves witch-like powers to cast the evil eye on enemies. I tell you, cut eye has a whole new meaning here. A whole new meaning. Also, 
antimony had been previously been used as a laxative. Unlike the modern medicine, antimony does not dissolve in the intestine. So naturally, people would poop, pick out antimony from their fecal matter, and proceed to reuse it. Importantly, these pills could be passed on from father to son. Just in case you were wondering, what would you inherit from your old man? Well, now you know. Jokes aside, Mozart probably died from ingesting too much antimony to combat a fever. What's not to love about this thing? It's freaking genius. This next story is about a rich man and hookworms. Wonder what they have in common? Early 20th century, Rockefeller wanted to invest in the agriculture sector in the southern part of America. As we've previously seen, agriculture is a big deal in south of America. So, like any good investor, he sent out a team to conduct a reconnaissance and see if the idea was viable. When the team got there, they were shocked. The people there did not rise to the occasion. They were just not cool. They were not responsive to the idea of a tycoon wanting to invest in their trade. Not only that, these people were different. They were slow. Not mentally slow, but actually physically slow. They looked sick. The whole lot of them. If they were sick, which they would later find out they were, it had taken a toll on the agricultural productivity and economic development. Rockefeller wanted to know why. You'd never guess why. The loamy soil, ideal for farming in the southern coastal region, was also exceptionally well suited for rearing hookworm larvae. How hookworms work is that the larvae reside in the soil. So when a human, guy one, comes along barefoot, which most southerners were in those days, the larvae penetrates the skin and embarks on a multi-organ journey traveling through the body all the way to the trachea. From this point, the man would swallow it. And then they would end up in their final destination, the small intestines. Upon maturation, the adult starts to suck on the small intestine mucosa. Females can lay up to 25,000 eggs a day. The eggs leave the body with the feces. So our guy, guy one, goes and poops. <sighs> In the same loamy soil, for his friend, guy two, to step on, some time later, 
when the larvae are mature and get infected as well. This was the scenario in those days of poor sanitation in the South. So in 1910, Rockefeller Sanitation Commission for the Eradication of Hookworm Disease set out to unhook the hookworm. They found a staggering 40% of the school children were infected and an estimated 7.5 million southerners were harboring the parasite. They immediately set out to rid the south of hookworms. They educated physicians, school children, and the public on hookworm symptoms and transmission, along with the construction of sanitary infrastructure and dispensaries. Following the campaign, Affected parts such as Florida, Louisiana, and Alabama saw significant income expansion, school enrollment and attendance, and even literacy levels spiked. So this was all because of the hookworm. So the rich man unhooked the hookworm. Moral, sanitation is good for you, and so are shoes. That is all for today, guys. Thank you for tuning in. For links to today's stories, check out the website, www.obscurestories.com. You can find all the Podsafe music you just heard on today's show on the free music archives. Follow us on Twitter. We're there. We tweet at Obscure Stories or you can follow me at Cheesy Ricky. Like us on Facebook at the Obscure Stories podcast page. You can subscribe and follow us on SoundCloud where you can get all the episodes for download for free free people it's free so i would love to hear what you have to say so reach out jerry signing up double love stay curious